0: Hi everyone. Welcome to our webinar about how to open a dispensary. I'm Gary Cohen, the CEO of Cova, and with me is Guillermo Bravo, the CEO of Foot Traffic. We're pretty excited to share this content with you and hope you get a lot out of it as you think about opening a cannabis dispensary. Guillermo, you want to talk about what we're gonna uh, do and how we're gonna do it today?
1: Yeah, so what we'll do is we'll, we'll first cover the, uh, how to open a dispensary uh, from the eyes of the, you know, on the technology side and then we'll transition to, you know as you're ready to open a dispensary, what you actually need to do to be successful. So um, you know before we get started, I'd like to let everyone know that there is a Q&A portion of the webinar uh, if you have any questions throughout the webinar, we'll be, we will be pausing to address those questions. Uh, just please use the Q&A function within Zoom rather than the chat function. Uh, we will pause you know, during the presentation and we'll address those questions. We do have moderators uh, that will be you know, moderating the different comments uh, in the Q&A function.
0: Oh, that's great. Well, let's go ahead and, and get started. Um, just a little bit about COVA. We were built specifically for the cannabis industry. And we operate in most of the legal markets in the US and all of Canada. We've, we've grown pretty fast. And I think part of our growth has been a lot of educational sharing with uh, potential dispensary owners. So we do seminars around the continent and just try to deliver best practices and things for you to think about, which is what this is gonna be about today. Um, a lot like foot traffic, we've, we've really captured a lot of the main brands across the US. So through all that experience, we've been able to, to learn from our clients and, and that's all been put back into this presentation that you'll see today. Well, what we'll cover are a lot of the top challenges that you have when opening a dispensary. And this presentation is primarily about retail cannabis operations. So we really won't look a lot at um, vertically integrated operations. We'll we'll really talk about the retail part of the business today. And um, the depth will be pretty high level, Um, I think each one of these areas that we'll talk about could go hours and hours, but we don't have that, so we'll, we'll give you things to think about and consider as you're opening a dispensary. Well, what's unique about our industry and opening a cannabis dispensary is that there's unique challenges that we have that other retailers don't have. To highlight a few of them, um, it's the cost and complexity of compliance. And you will hear about compliance in every single jurisdiction in North America. Unfortunately, um, every state and every province is unique. So um, even though it's federally legal across Canada, you still have to deal with each individual province set of rules and guidelines that they have for um, how you can operate a store and what the individual laws are and restrictions. Um, For most of you, you're probably familiar with taxation and and the challenges we have in this industry with 280E and that limitation of what you can actually deduct as a business expense. Um, If you're not familiar with it, I suggest you study 280E and as you're going into business, work with a real accountant that understands um, how that works and what you can and can't do as a cannabis operation in the US. As we all know, there's a lack of banking services and that's both as your business operates and as well as um, how you um, conduct transactions in your store. And then lastly, in certain markets, you have black market or gray market competitors. So in a survey of about a year ago, these were the top challenges that you need to think about. You need to get a license and no matter where we are, there's a process for you to to qualify to operate a dispensary. So unlike almost any other business, the background checks, the requirements on the location that you have, the, um, the set of partners you have and where the capital comes from to start your business is all scrutinized at, di- at varying levels based on the state or the municipality. And you know, I talked about compliance before. I, I really can't stress enough how important this is because unlike any other business, if you make a mistake, you probably aren't going to lose your license or lose your business in the cannabis industry. If you're not really adhering to all the things on the slide and understand them, um, there's there's a considerable amount of risk. So each one of these things kind of tie back to point of sale because you need systems that kind of keep you between the lines that do the things necessary to meet those guidelines. And um, I'm always asked, like, well, why don't we need, ju- or why can't I just get convenience store, restaurant, small retailer software to run my store? And all of these elements on this sheet are the reasons why. So it's, it is kind of funky and it's something that you need to consider as you're going into your business. And as most of you know, you really do need a business plan because throughout the process of opening a store, you're gonna need to go to a local jurisdiction and explain what your your plans are, who you are, how you're gonna, in a lot of cases, benefit the community that you're in, why your location or facility meets the standards or codes that they have, and they're gonna wanna know how are you paying for this. Um, Because it's the cannabis industry, there's an added layer of scrutiny on just about everything we do, which usually means more time and more cost. So having a good plan laid out definitely smooths the the way to getting those licenses and permits that you need. Well, like with any business, there's several key elements that drive the business plan. Financially, it's that business capital, How are you gonna have operating capital to buy inventory and pay your staff? And then what's your projected revenue? So we'll talk about these. Going back to um, kind of what we know in the industry are the, the key needs that operators have. There's two different sets of lines on here. There's vertically integrated retailers. And where you see the bigger dark blue line, It's because they're growing cannabis and they're selling cannabis. There's certain places like Washington where you can't do both. But there's other markets like um, Colorado where you, you can. And then California has probably 15 different license types. And depending on where you are in the supply chain, you have a different set of costs. In this example, what we're showing is a lot higher expenditure or cost on real estate and renovations because if you have a grow and you have a retail store, that grow is gonna take a lot more money to get up and running. You know, we did a survey across the US and tried to figure out what the capital required was to get into a dispensary. And these are, these are kind of averaged across the US um, those costs can be anywhere from 55 dollars to $200,000. And these are the big buckets that you need to consider. A lot of times people don't realize that on, in almost every jurisdiction, you need to invest in security and surveillance. Um, there's a, a heightened worry that someone's going to break into your store and try to get the cash, because we are a cash business, or try to get the product. So um, as you're submitting plans, you need to think about what am I going to invest in in that type of um, element of my cost. So we just looked at capital costs. That's the stuff that is your upfront investment. But then you have ongoing costs. And as you can see, your biggest costs in light blue, if you're a retailer, are your cost of goods or your inventory and your staffing. And a lot like any retail business, those are gonna be your big ones. Then you've got rent, you've got advertising. You know, you can see that giant variance in utilities between a vertically integrated and a retail store. In a retail store, you don't use that much power. But in a grow or a manufacturing, you're using a lot of juice. So that's the difference there. And again, we looked at um, kind of a an average size dispensary. You know, we found at COVA that um, almost 65% of our stores have three use three workstations, or they have three point-of-sale terminals, is a good way to think about it. So we built this model and looked at the costs based on that average store. In places like Oklahoma, where You might have a tiny store in a tiny little part of town or even a a crossroad. You don't need this much staffing and you don't need this much expenditure. And then again, in a place like Illinois, where they have a limited of licenses, almost every dispensary anywhere from 6 to 13 Point of sale terminals or workstations where they're processing sales. And to man that, it's a much, much bigger scale. So across the US, it varies greatly based on the market size is it medical or rec or both? And um, the estimate of your traffic. Well, this, you know, in case you didn't know, you can't just go get a bank loan to start your dispensary. You could get a bank loan to start a toy store or a gas station. But unfortunately at this time, um, without the Safe Banking Act being passed, we we just don't have the ability to just go to a bank and get a loan. Most dispensaries across the US are self-funded. So I've met people who've rolled over their retirement or an inheritance or life savings or whatever, Um, And I think for, you know, one of the things I tell almost everyone is the U.S. is about 85% small business operators or mom-and-pop dispensaries and 15% enterprise. Canada is about 70% enterprise and 30% small business operator. So the funding... view and the situation in Canada is different than the U.S. But what I'm kind of showing here is pretty much how the U.S. dispensaries have been funded. So you can see families and friends. I think going into partnership with people who have um, industry knowledge is, is a pretty common way to go. I'm here in Missouri right now where we just did something in Kansas City two days ago, St. Louis last night and meeting all of these new operators, part of their application process involved pulling in someone who had industry knowledge. So a lot of local people here um, you know, applied for licenses, and part of their license was bringing in someone who knows the business. And so that's pretty common. Someone has the money, someone has the know-how. Cannabis investment groups um, are pretty common as well where a group of, they could be high net worth people, but they could just be a bunch of people who wanna go into the industry and pool their resources and, um, and invest in entrepreneurs who they, they feel are a good bet to go into business. And then lastly are capital brokers who really are hooking up high net worth people to um, either someone who has a license, which gets them pretty far down the path in a place like Missouri, or they're looking for entrepreneurs who are pretty clever. You know, this next slide I thought a lot about because you know, you can do your financials on, you know, worst case, realistic case, best case. And I thought I'd give you some advice here. Think about the type of market that you're looking to put your dispensary in. If it's a new market, what are the advantages you have compared to everyone else when you start building your revenue projections. Are you gonna be the first one to market? Or do you come from another state and in the place that you're now starting to open your business, you you have an edge because you you do know the market and the industry and how it works. The other thing is, are you all lined up with um, suppliers? So that could be a huge competitive advantage and something to consider when you're building your business case. If you're in an existing market, um, what, do you, what are those advantages you have there? Um, is, do you have a prime location? Is there something you're doing that's unique or better or different than everyone else in the market? And if so, you, you should identify that, and that is going to help you build your revenues faster. And again, How well of a set of relationships do you have with your supply chain? And when you do your financials, um, I know it's really hard to do to be objective because it's just like everyone who starts something, the thing you're starting you think is the prettiest baby and it's your thing and it's gonna be the best of anybody's. But you do need to try to be realistic about all of the inputs that go into this growth of your new business. So try to be realistic. Also be worst case. So you need both of those. What happens if? And the number one thing that screws with our industry is timing. So remember how I said this is a cannabis industry. There's extra scrutiny and it kind of slows things down everywhere you go. So permits, construction, licensing, all those steps to get open usually don't happen as the best case would would suggest. Um, Supply constraints, you know, we've had markets right now in Illinois, they have next to no supply. Um, Canada had a supply shortage. So you wanna put that into your projection with what if you can't get product? And then, what if you've got six competitors going in within three miles of you? Um, Can you do it faster? Or what if they're faster, more nimble, et cetera? The last thing is don't drink your own Kool-Aid. So don't make a best case plan because then you're going to do all of your business planning based on that. You're going to hire too many people too fast you're gonna spend too much money on marketing too fast. So try to get back to that realistic. That's where you'll raise your money and and I think investors will appreciate that. Real quickly, there's so many considerations about location. You know, usually in the US, you need to be a thousand feet from a school, a daycare, a park, um, stuff like that. You, you got to know what the rules are. Don't ever secure any real estate without knowing in advance what your local municipality is dictating. Um, also, find out, if, is your municipality even going to opt into having retail cannabis? Places like Michigan, city by city, you can, you can opt in or opt out. And the worst thing is to secure some real estate and find that you can't even open a retail store in that city. you can see all that other stuff um, depending on where you're at. You know, signage is huge. You're a retailer. You need to think about signage. The more the better. Um, If you're a destination versus a walk-up dispensary, what kind of parking can you get? So all those things go into your, your plan. I put this stuff in about community outreach. The smartest operators we've met in the U.S. In Canada, they go and they meet the community way before they open. And a great Gary tip is the local police chief and the fire chief and the minister down the road, they don't know all the laws and rules and regulations of being a cannabis retailer. And for you to go tell them I'm gonna do all these things to make it safe to not let kids come in, to vet my employees, to secure the premises, it, it reassures them and it makes your entry into opening your store a lot smoother and better. Well, my last few slides are gonna talk about what does your brand stand for? And Guillermo's gonna go much deeper into this, but what is it that you're trying to do? You know, granted, it's it's a for-profit business, so I get that. But are you going to be a medical dispensary, and the education and the selection of products to help people is your differentiator? That's what you're about. I think that it's really important to know what it is you stand for, and then as you build your store, staff your store, you do all those things that relate to what you stand for in your brand. Um, who 's your customer so there 's tons of research you can do on segmentation by zip code of who are you going to try to draw again in your business plan, you should know the neighborhood who 's there, and how what your brand stands for is going to pull that that group in. I think from a customer journey, this is another giant um, exercise, but as people. Interact with your store. How do they find your store? And I put the I put POS next to all that stuff because your POS can feed your online visibility. It could feed, um, you know, leafly and weed maps and and how people could learn about your store. And as you keep moving down through those that checklist, um, there's technology that will help make all of that better and smoother. I'm going to skip through store design and technology and all that, and just basically say the estimate of time is usually about eight months from if you were Oklahoma's the exception. Oklahoma you can usually get a um, a license and a permit and all that stuff pretty quickly, but in most parts of the country there's a there's an arduous process to get it so it's not the kind of thing you can just open in a month. You, you have to jump through some hoops. So this is just a rough timeline on kind of what we've seen as an average across the country to, um, from start to finish to go into business. And with that, um, I think we're going to open it up for some questions. And then um, Guillermo's going to pick up the, the how to do it the right way and market it.
1: All right, if everyone could put their questions in the Q&A section, I will go ahead and start (laughs) answering those now. Let's see. All right. I'll give it a few minutes here so we can have some time. okay. Here we go, Gary, can you see those questions?
0: <clears throat> um, oh, yeah. Um, how is HR and accounting usually handled, especially for an Ontario Canadian type of company? Um, good question. The, um, so here's a weird fact. Probably 90% of our customers use QuickBooks. And we built Kova in a way that exports all of the um, POS data all of your transactional data um, and cost accounting data into the format of QuickBooks. And even if you want to modify the, um, the manner with which you label things or organize your accounting, that's kind of the norm. I think the other, probably, I wanna say 10%, but I'm, I'm making that up. For the enterprise customers, um, what we found in the last two years is that the move towards a real ERP system is kind of kicked in for stores that have anywhere from five to ten or more locations. So as they get to that size and scope of of needing more um, advanced reporting and um, analytics around inventory management and supply chain, we've seen that. ERP necessity kick in. I think from an HR standpoint, usually I think we've got probably 40% of our clients integrate with some type of time card application that logs people in, keeps track of of what they're doing, and then on the back end of Cova, we've looked at productivity tied to all of those employees. So we can actually do reports on productivity by the time they worked. You know, and realize this is retail. Your bud tenders are salespeople. So a lot of the HR and accounting winds up linking together from a reporting standpoint. Um, Jason was asking, what are COVA's POS costs in Ontario? Or what is the breakdown of services? Well, I think for, um, for all POS companies, there's really three things to look for and ask. What's the monthly subscription fee? Because most of them are SaaS based. So it's a, it's a software as a service. So there's a monthly cost. There's hardware, um, and that hardware is, you know, for us it's tablet based. So those could be fixed tablets or tablets where you walk around and help people browse and have an experience, and educate through the tablet. There's receipt printers, depending on your jurisdiction, label printers, scanners. um, There's all kinds of hardware, cash drawers. And then lastly is um, installation and support. So, some companies charge for support just to call in and get help. Other companies don't. There's companies that'll come on site, like we do, where we'll come and, and do the training and help set things up, and others don't. It's self-service and you need to figure it out yourself. Um, so it's hard for me to give you a single price. Um, I think the, other, the last component is how big is your store? How, how many users are you gonna have? How do you want to configure the flow of customers through your store? And then, you know, you can compare quotes and what people can provide. Um, I'll ask, I'll answer a few more quick ones. Are all Colorado licenses sold? If so, if so how much does it cost to purchase one from an owner? Um, I'll let foot traffic answer that question. So we'll come back to that. You skipped over the design aspect. Could you share a tip to consider when designing the store? Well, my number one tip for design is it does not have to be an Apple store, but it. But again, you don't want to have like the old video stores where you just have movie posters up and and it's just kind of skanky. I think that. Um, There's so much that can go into design when you know what your brand stands for and what you would like to, you know, what you wanna convey in that retail experience. So we've seen people build fantastic stores without very much money and do it in a way where people really enjoy going there. So um, again, I think that your neighborhood what you're trying to accomplish can, can lead to that design. Um, I think i better turn it back over to Guillermo now, because I know he wants to do, not he wants to do, it, he's gonna show you the, the next part of the presentation.
1: Sounds good, Gary. Thank you so much for all that information. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, uh, share, allow me to share my screen now. Uh, we can go ahead and transition uh, to the technology and marketing aspect of this. <clears throat> So you'll want to stop sharing your screen on your side. See. Gary, did you hear me there? I believe you have to choose uh, to unshare your screen. Perfect. All right. Well, now we're going to transition a little bit to the technology and marketing aspect of opening a dispensary. I'll start with a little bit about foot traffic. So we are a dispensary marketing agency based out of San Francisco. You know, We've been in the business for going on four years now. Uh, working in cannabis for about seven myself. Um, We're currently servicing 200 plus stores across 20 plus states. You know, at foot traffic, you know, our goal is to, it kind of says it in the name. Our goal is to drive foot traffic to your store. Uh, Foot traffic to your store, visitors to your website with the end goal of building your customer database and increasing revenue. But to do that, we need to have all the technology in place to, to actually capture these customers and get them into our database. So as far as the technology side, here are a list of some of the core technology uh, hardware and softwares to consider when opening your dispensary. So the first is, the money, ATM and merchant account. So depending on which state you're in, um, you can actually accept, you can potentially accept credit or debit cards depending on um, the legality of that. Um, a lot of dispensaries across the, the country deal in cash. So you'll wanna have an ATM in place and have that highly visible and easily accessible uh, for customers as they, as they enter the store. Next is the CRM and loyalty and rewards program. In order for you to actually capture these customers and get them into your database, you need to have a CRM in place, which is a a customer relationship management program. And this is typically software. So you wanna have that in place before you open the store. So any, any customers that come into the store have the ability to join your dispensary and become a loyal customer. Networking, having all the internet, uh, internet, Wi-Fi, and everything in place so that you can function as a business. Kiosks, I see this a lot in the Bay Area and in Seattle, uh, Denver. Uh, you know the dispensaries have kiosks in the store, so customers have the ability to browse products before uh, they go to a bud tender. And in some dispensaries uh, that uh, want to convert those customers right away, they'll actually enable an online menu within the kiosk so you can browse products, pricing, descriptions, all within the kiosk order by placing your phone number in the kiosk and then skip the line uh, and check out and you're out of the store. So if you're a high volume store, that's something highly to consider. Marketing software. If if you're advertising and investing in marketing, you need a software platform to track the results, to, Look at uh, you know, your advertising spend and, and what the ROI of, that ROI of that advertising spend is. So marketing software is crucial in tracking you know, how successful you are doing online. Online menus. So there's a lot of online menus um, available in the, the marketplace. And this is a core element of your online presence. What good is what good is it to have a website if you don't have an online menu available for the customer to to browse products? After all, that's all they're looking for. Um, from our numbers, uh, from our numbers, I mean, looking at website traffic, they really only go to the homepage and they go to your menu page. They want to browse products, and then after that, they want to look for deals. So they want to get deals on and different specials, you know, buy one, get one free, whatever it might be, depending on the, the laws and regulations of your state. The point of sale system. So as Gary mentioned, this is a core, core, core part of your business. This speaks to, to everything. Uh, this speaks to your online menu. This speaks to your CRM. This speaks to your QuickBooks, your accounting, everything. Um, so this it 's crucial that you have this component um, before you open your store. security systems part of the, part of the regulatory process in getting uh, approved for a license is having a security system and plan in place whether it 's technology or personnel, you need to have that in place to get approved and not to mention you know uh, Gary mentioned uh, it, the uniqueness of our industry and what we have to deal with with the cash only and people trying to uh, you know, to uh, come in for products. So just to be having a secure facility is crucial in the success of your business. TV display menus. Just as the kiosk, this is another way for you to display your products, specials, and really highlight what's available in the store. So now we're gonna go into the customer journey. It all starts with awareness. You know, billboards and print aren't going away. However, now they're being overtaken by digital companies like Leafly, Weed Maps, Instagram, Facebook, and the king, Google. So you wanna ensure that we have a presence across all these platforms so we can attract and generate interest from customers. As you can see in these screenshots, there's a a few examples of advertising when a customer is on their mobile phone and searching for a dispensary in their area. From our numbers, 72% of all customers that visit our clients' websites are on mobile devices. So it's crucial that you focus on reaching people where they are, and that's in their pocket. You wanna reach customers in their pocket because it's, you know, it's an extension of themselves. Everyone has their mobile phones on them. They use them, I don't know what the average is, but probably close to 500 times they pick up their cell phone on a daily basis. So reach them where they are. So when customers are looking for, you know, let's see, after they're aware of your business or they're looking for a cannabis store, they're going to go on Google. Google owns 93% of all search traffic in the United States. Consider that a monopoly. They own everything. So you need a presence there. Right next to that is Siri. So Having voice search and being present when people ask Siri, where can I buy weed near me? Where's the best pot shop? Where's the nearest dispensary? There's different terms that people use, but you need to have a presence on Siri and all voice search platforms like Alexa. Google has its own. So you need to have a presence across all voice search platforms. The directory websites, Weedmaps and Leafly, they have their own presence, depending on which state you're in. Weedmaps primarily has uh, high, high saturation in California, uh, not, not as much across the rest of the country, and Leafly has heavy saturation in Washington, and then it you know, kind of spreads throughout the United States as well. But I wanna reemphasize that Weedmaps and Leafly are nothing compared to Google. Google is king and they own everything online. As I said, 93% of searches, people go to Google to search for a dispensary in San Francisco. If you're not in those top three results, you're not getting the business. And Leafly and Weed Maps are getting their traffic from Google as a result below these local results here. So you want to really focus on Google in any way that you can influence those results. Acquisitions, So people are going to, they're going to look and see if you're a legitimate dispensary. They're going to look at your, your blog. They're going to look at articles. They're going to type in, you know, sunburst farm and they're going to look at what the, you know, what's in the results. What are people saying about you? Is there any news? They're going to look at your reviews. Everyone online lives by reviews. I don't know about you, but I don't go to a restaurant that doesn't have a 4.5 star or higher. So this is crucial in the success of your business online. And to touch on reviews specifically, you wanna focus on Google reviews. That's just crucial in the success of your business, as well as Yelp. Those two are the mainstream websites that supply a lot of the voice search platforms. People are also going to go on your Instagram and your Facebook and they're going to look and see if you, you know, what, what you're all about, what's your brand about? What's, what's your message? Are you authentic? Are you real? Are you safe? There's all these different things that people are looking at um, before they visit a store. Word of mouth. This is still a a big part uh, of marketing and it's the best type of marketing. It's free. Word of mouth marketing, you know, it's it speaks for itself. But for you to actually have someone refer you to their friends, you have to provide a great customer experience. Uh, you need to provide the right product catalog, the price points. They need to feel, they need to leave the dispensary with a smile on their face. <clears throat> Next, we're gonna go transition to purchase. So after they they found you, they've done their research, they're ready to buy. You wanna ensure that your online menu is on your website and it's easy to check out. So first thing is make that experience as easy as possible. So when someone searches for you, Clear Choice, Cannabis Tacoma. They go to your website. I can, I should be able to make a purchase within a few clicks. This needs to be really, really, really easy and seamless. Not to mention on the fulfillment side, the technology needs to be in place to quickly fulfill those pre-orders so that you can get people in and out of the door as quick as possible, especially, you know, during peak times, 4 p.m. on Thursdays, uh, you know, all the way through Sunday. You want to drive people to take action. So that's going to either be in the form of a phone call to get more information on products, uh, a website visit or request for directions. So you should have that available in your, you know, it's available in your Google, my business profile, should have it available on your website and just make it as easy as possible for someone to make a purchase. And when they make that purchase, depending on which software you're using, you have the ability to, to join the loyalty program. I know that if I, I have my favorite dispensary here in San Francisco, and when I visit that store, you know, I, I want those reward points. I want, uh, I want to be connected to the dispensary, and I want to get my discounts. After I spend $200, I expect something in return. <clears throat> and that's where we transition to loyalty. As I said before, the customer service, the product catalog, the product price, pricing, all influence the loyalty of that customer. The way that the bud tenders speak, the way that they dress, their education level, all those have influence on having customers come back in your store. If they're happy with their experience, what are they gonna do? They're gonna leave you a positive review on Google. They're gonna send a text message to their friend, iMessage, WhatsApp. They're gonna post this on social media. They're gonna tell their friends. So if you go through this whole customer journey the right way and really deliver on the promise that you make to your customers, then you'll see exponential growth. So here's a look at all of the the levels of the customer journey. All right, now let's look at uh, traditional marketing. So traditional marketing traditional marketing is not going away. Billboards, direct mailers, you know, events, guerrilla marketing with flyers, print ads, radio, word of mouth. These are all traditional marketing tactics. <clears throat> Depending on which state or country you're in, these options are available to you in, in different forms. So in a lot of states, billboards are restricted. Same thing with uh, radio and print. So some of the traditional advertising is not available to you. You know, a lot of the the regulation and laws, I know for California, I believe it's 72% of your, the, the customers that see your advertising have to be, you know, 21 and up of age. So you wanna ensure that you're in, within the, you know, the laws and regulation for traditional marketing, it still is valuable. It drives awareness. You get a lot of eyeballs, um, so it's it's something you want to consider, but in a strategic manner. <clears throat> Digital marketing. Where is everybody? What where is everybody? Uh, you know, using on a daily basis, they're using their phones. Advertising, content marketing, email marketing mobile, search engines, social media, SMS, voice search, they're all crucial parts of driving foot traffic and customers to your business. So what's the difference between the two? Old fashioned versus new fashion. Well, for traditional marketing on the left side here, we have, you you have that local advantage. So if you are launching an event, Billboards may do well for you. This does resonate more with the older dem- demographic as well. So if you're in, say, Florida and you're trying to reach medical customers, if it's um, compliant, then that could be a, you know, traditional marketing could be a, um, a successful marketing strategy for you. I know direct mailers are pretty common in Florida. It's, this has worked in the past. It has a proven success rate. It reaches a lot of people. It gets it gets people aware of your business. As far as digital marketing, we see much better ROI because everything is measurable. Data is all is all the talk nowadays, and numbers don't lie. So we know for every dollar that we put in to any marketing channel digitally, we know the exact ROI of that. Uh, of that effort. Not to mention, you can do advanced targeting. I can target people, uh, if you're 40, female, live in the zip code, you like, um, you, you, li- you like uh, you know, diff- different types of, I don't know, product categories or certain books, I can target you based on that. So it's, it's highly relevant. So what do you need to to really get started? Once you open the store, you need a website. You need to build that trust with your customer. And you need to build that for mobile devices and search engines so that you can convert those customers into sales. So this is an example of a dispensary website that we designed. And you can see the clear call to actions right there above the fold. Order online, order online, latest specials. Get customers to take action. As a, for a limited time, uh, through, the, through 229, uh, we'll be offering a $1,000 discount on our website designs. And what we've done is, we've created a website theme with the dispensary in mind. So we have all the items already built into the theme and it's highly, highly customizable so that you are successful in driving conversions from desktop users, from mobile users and through the online menu. So feel free to to reach out to us after the webinar uh, to get more information on that. SEO. We're going to dive in a little bit into the top three channels you should leverage um, to drive foot traffic pre and during launch. So, the first is going to be SEO. When customers want to find a dispensary near them, they turn to search. As I mentioned before, Google serves up close to 93% of all US internet searches. And if you want to show up in those search results, then it's crucial that you have a robust SEO strategy and a team to implement it. You want to build that brand trust and authority. You want to, you want to leverage that organic traffic and you want to reduce the cost in acquiring a customer. And not to mention on the compliance side, you cannot limit advertising on SEO. It's organic, it's natural. So we're going to showcase a case study here of one of our uh, dispensary clients out of Washington. So in 2018, from organic traffic, we generated over $200,000 in revenue in one year from organic traffic and SEO. 20,000 new users earned And we had 2,200 keywords ranking for origins out of West Seattle, Washington. Now let's transition to Google Ads. Google Ads is a powerful tool for obtaining new customers because it provides a predictable customer acquisition cost unlike traditional advertising. You can see immediate and trackable results with Google ads. And, you know, if you work with uh, foot traffic, you know, we have the ability to get those ads approved in a compliant fashion. So here's a case study from our friends and partners out of New York, Virial Health. In 2008, from our Google ads campaigns, we generated $56 per dollar spend on the, campaign, on the campaign. So we generated over $400,000 in 2018 from 10,000 visitors. And this was in a highly competitive market in Manhattan. So we targeted public transportation hubs, central station, subways, parks, to really capture this, these audiences. And the last is SMS marketing. So if you invest all of this money in advertising and driving foot traffic and building your customer database, if you get them in one time, you're only, you're only getting one purchase. And that's probably only 5% of the actual value of that customer. With SMS marketing, you'll be able, you'll be able to attain the remaining 95% of that customer value. So if a customer comes in one time and spends $50, and you create events, deals, experiences, add value for that customer, education, and get them into your dispensary and get them loyal, then you'll keep them for a lifetime. So you can reach people instantly, increase the customer value through your loyalty programs and rewards, and even better, you can automate a lot of this process. <clears throat> so here's a case study from our friends at ClearChoice at Tacoma, Washington. You know, so they hit a plateau in their sales and new customer acquisition because we pretty much got every customer in that region. So what, what how are we gonna make more money? Uh, we're gonna leverage SMS marketing. We're going to create segmented campaigns and we're gonna increase the value of those customers. We don't need to spend more money on advertising. We can engage and and interact and nurture the relationships with your existing customers. So in 2018, we sent 3.6 million text messages out, and we generated $8.2 million in revenue in one year. And And Clear Choice Tacoma, I believe, is the second highest volume store in the state of Washington. So as a a gift for attending, we're going to actually offer you a free strategy session, which is a $1000 value with one of our with our VP of sales, Eduardo Silva, who will walk you through the different strategies to make sure that your dispensary is a success. in addition we've put together a disp- dispensary launch package so that when you're ready to open your store and if you have a license then uh, we want we want to ensure that you are successful so we've knocked off $1000 on this product as well and this will provide everything you need to launch a store and be successful and take care of everything to get foot traffic in the door. And that's pretty much it. I'm gonna leave the, I'm going to leave the uh, event open for questions now. So I'm gonna, if you wanna go ahead and go to the Q&A section, I'm gonna go ahead and start answering these questions. If you go to the Q&A section, Let's see, so there was one that uh, was asked before about price of a license. So now all licenses are not created equal. So depending on competition, uh, market size, opportunity, um, competitors, how many, what's the market saturation as far as other dispensaries within your radius, Uh, the laws, uh, do you, only have a retail store or can you do delivery like you can in California? All of these are factors in the valuation of your dispensary license, dispensary or dispensary license. So yes, you can purchase them. The cost of those dispensary licenses is wide ranging. Let's see, other questions here. Um, I'm not, um, Gary, do you have any, uh, questions that you see on your side? I'm having trouble seeing the, uh, Q and A on my side. Um, I, I can. Okay.
0: um, Darwin's asking, as I'm getting the expenses together to ensure our capital is spent correctly and timely to eliminate unnecessary non-revenue charges, I'm gathering documents. Is there somewhere I can go to get the details of your marketing packages?
1: Yes. So you can go to foottraffic.co, and that's F-O-O-T t r a f f i k dot c o and just reach out to us and schedule a strategy session it's it 's no cost to you and we will we'll work with you and we 'll share um, our our marketing spreadsheets with you so you can uh, account for not only digital marketing but traditional marketing and, and what the uh, the cost of all these channels are, and from our experience what the roi is so you know, I really want to to thank you and and uh, you know and just feel free to reach out to us after the after the webinar to schedule a strategy session. No cost to you. And yeah, that's all. Okay. Gary, is there any additional questions on your side?
0: Yeah, there there's a couple couple of quick ones. Um, okay. Sharon was saying that um, it looks like they acquired a dispensary and um, used Cova inventory to figure out what the cost of goods sold were mm-hmm. of everything in that store. And they found $100,000 of savings in one month. I think that what this goes to is if you remember, I talked about those um, compliance issues that, that kind of trip people up. And one of the biggest ones is inventory management. And this is a really, this is the thing I could talk for a week about because it's a very high, you know, cannabis is a high value item. Um, your employees, there's a high theft rate. You know, it's usually kind of hard for people to steal the cannabis that don't work there. But for people who work there, um, you know, they're consumers of the product. I think that the techniques to manage what's being ordered, who counts it when it comes in, how do you keep track of um, spoilage or returns, the whole, the whole thing needs to be under a microscope by the state or the province. So, you know, when you really take things from a pencil and paper or spreadsheet to a, a legitimate cannabis POS, you start finding money because you're accounting for um, a very difficult set of products. I think there is one other question from Art: How much time and training is necessary to get your staff up and running with COVA? <clears throat> well, I, I hate to give I hate to give you a vague answer, but um, it could be pretty quick, meaning maybe two or three sessions. Um, Over the phone, to understand the mechanics of for us to understand the mechanics of how your store is built and operates, and then a few sessions of um, training of kind of the processes of cash management, inventory management, and transactions, and then you know we we're not a self serve kind of uh, POS company so. We do a lot of hands-on coaching and training, but I think the basis of it all is trying to help new retailers understand everything that's involved in running a dispensary and especially doing it in their specific jurisdiction. So there's no one that we just set up and give them the keys and usually not in a week. It's usually about a three-week time frame between contracting, setting up the launch, um, discovery, ordering the hardware, starting the training, importing or building the inventory, then doing the on-site coaching and training to open the store. So my answer is three weeks is the norm.
1: <laughs> Wonderful, thank you, Gary. Once again, I wanna thank everyone for their time and for joining us today. There's- Thank you for your questions. And you know. after the, the webinar, we are, uh, we're wrapping up now. We're closing up. But uh, if you'd like to reach out, um, Gary, we can reach out to you through covasoftware.com through and then foottraffic.co. And we have one event coming up on March 19th together. Uh, and that's going to be at the same time. And that's going to be on the on 10 actionable marketing tips to boost your dispensary bottom line. So if you'd like to learn more about uh, increasing your revenue, then join the next webinar. And once again, we wanna thank you for your time and we'll see you next time. Bye everyone, thanks a lot. Bye, thank you everybody.